You are listening to PLV Radio Network. Join us in celebrating all of life's possibilities with inspirational, illuminating and insightful talk shows. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Living Vibrations with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today, Dr. Don Less. We're talking about seniors today. Life Holistic Counselor Don has followed a path to give our seniors some focus, some honor, some dignity. I don't know what happened, but seniors always used to be somebody that were revered in culture, for their wisdom, for the journey, for what they, the ground that they had laid before them for us. But now it seems to be seniors have become a throwaway society. Put them in a home, lock the key, drug them, and just forget about them. And I don't know why this is happening, but it clearly has to stop. So we're going to be talking about seniors today, their dignity, their rights, things for you to be aware of. Yes, you want to hurry up and put them in a home so it doesn't interfere with your life, but do you know where you're putting them? Are you participating in their lives? Are you listening to them? Are you giving them any time whatsoever? Are you honoring their journey? So we're going to be talking about this and really get down to the nitty-gritty. There's some things you're probably not going to like to hear, but you need to hear them. So, Don holds a certification in seniors counselling from the Vancouver College of Counselling Training. This began his interest in helping seniors with their mental health issues after correlating the research on seniors' mental health issues by the Canadian uh, Correlation for Seniors' Mental Health and Canadian Mental Health Society. He became determined to make a difference for seniors everywhere. He's had personal experience with his mother-in-law's father, going from independent living to fully assisted living at the age of 90, where he became uh, familiar with the the plight of the seniors as they went through the current system, suffering in silence with anxiety and depression. Seems to be like they were forgotten people. As the director of the Seniors Council Association, he strives to raise awareness that seniors deserve respect and dignity whenever and wherever that he can, working to create to get seniors counselling wherever possible, allowing them to live a happy, fruitful, productive and well into their late life. He's a published author of a senior living magazine um, and this is he's a natural health consultant and this is his lifelong learning he changed his own path in life more than a couple of times and loves to share what he knows with those who he meets and today we're going to be talking about that so welcome to the show don uh, thank you i'm glad to be here seniors it's really kind of quite sad the way we're treating them isn't it yes it is as you alluded to i had a personal experience which kind of brought it to the forefront for myself. It was uh, with my mother-in-law's father. <clears throat> he was actually um, quite lively and, and living independently on his own, and he was looking forward to turning 100 years old uh, when he ended up going into a home. And the change made him uh, quite depressed because he'd gone from living independently and being self-reliant 
to being uh, taken care of and having his life rented, basically. Yeah. And um, so he began to develop depression. And he had told his, his daughter that um, he just wanted to die because there was nothing exciting left for him. There was no dignity, no no purpose. No, no purpose for him at all. No, exactly. And so when she um, related that to the institution, they took it to mean that they were not to take any special care if he was to get ill, uh, that he was just allowed to let go. Um, and the result of it was that he unfortunately died of dehydration because he lay in his bed, um, basically in solitude, um, neglected and ignored. And uh, it really brought attention to me to how seniors are being treated in these institutions and that they're allowed to have these emotional issues without any care of, uh, you know, making sure that they remain happy and, and healthy. And, and uh, they seem to be treated more as a commodity yeah. now than as actual individuals. I mean, you know, that kind of is almost of a... Uh... <sighs> They took it as a permission to let him die. Yes. Uh, and it's like, you know, where do we give that kind of permission? And, you know, what you're looking at that person as a dollar value for the services you're rendering. Yep. But, but in any service, in any industry, if you're not rendering that service, nobody's getting, you know, quality for their money, so to speak. So, exactly, but, yes. but because the seniors aren't being heard or listened to, mm-hmm. uh, nobody's paying attention to whether they're getting good service or not. Well, and unfortunately, a part of the issue is that many of the seniors grew up in a generation where talking about things like depression and and uh, mood disorders was unheard of. They don't want to admit to themselves that they have some of these issues that they're dealing with. So they're just left to sit there and, and struggle on their own. Yeah. You know, don't make a fuss, don't rock the boat. Um, yes. And it's, you know, it's sad because, you know, they haven't been given permission to place importance on their own value in life. Uh, it was suck it up. And, you know, and that's been taken advantage of, which is, you know, wrong, completely morally yes. wrong. And and to date, uh, my attempts to bring this to the attention of people that can make a difference in these institutions has been met with uh, basic disinterest because they're, they're primary uh, implication is is that if it doesn't have a monetary value for them, they're really not interested to know about it. I think what's happened with society across the board is, you know, money was always a tool. It was a currency of exchanging services or products. And now it has become money is the definition of who you are and your Mm -hmm. importance in life. And with that, and it's, you know, how many shows I've done across the board on this, when we look at money as being the um, that having that much power, uh, we lose the value um, of of mm-hmm. humanity in itself. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and, and and even unfortunately, this this uh, fellow actually was quite well off when he went into the institution, and uh, it even that didn't seem to make a real big difference to them. In that you know he could have afforded to pay for extra care, right? Yeah. Um, I know in England, my mum is 94 and a half, 95 in January, and she's at home being taken care of my brother and sister, who have now both become 
become very ill from looking after her. My brother mm-hmm. had a heart attack. My mother and my sister has a huge hernia, plus she has a history of cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've had to fight to get help for care to come in and, you know, and wash her and take care of her and things like that. Um, yes. And she's petrified of going into a home because even the carers say, you don't want to be there. They yes. will just put you in a chair, drug you up and leave you to die. Well, that's basically, yes, what happened to this old old gentleman, especially, like I say, after he said he wasn't interested in his 100th birthday anymore and he was just frustrated and wanted it all to end, right? Yeah, and it's so such a sad that life that has achieved and been through so many challenges should end up in that way. Um, yes. it's, yeah, he was a very educated fellow. He actually worked in the hospital system for most of his life, so... Um, you know, he was uh, in the system, so to speak, himself as as a hospital worker. And yet when he ended up in a state where he needed care, there was very little concern given for, you know, how any sort of value that he had given to society as a whole. Right? Well, I mean, you look at the hospital system itself. It's run by lawyers and administrative people, anything to cut the costs. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they weigh up human life. Now, that, that person's not worth investing to investing in and you know i remember back in i think it was 92 93 listening to somebody uh who at her own risk her own peril uh she worked with the fda and uh, she got uh, fired for refusing to pass a drug that she Mm -hmm. knew killed people um because the the pharmaceutical you know wanted to push it and uh, they they fired her they put it out there and people indeed died so she sued them Mm -hmm. and uh, but at that time she brought up a point now that that's talking about i think 93 maybe 94 somewhere in that range um she was talking about how many people a year in north america die from miscellaneous in other words they were given the wrong drug or the wrong treatment or ignored Four hundred thousand people a year at Mm -hmm. that point and i increased since then yes and actually there are a lot of people it's in the in the thousands that die are taking the right medications yeah. simply from the side effects. Right? Yes. As they say on those commercials, right? Depression hurts. Mm-hmm. But if you take this drug, it may cause suicide. You yeah, know, I, I, mean... I actually uh, was talking to a doctor about a um, medication that had a, an adverse side effect. It actually caused um, uh, heart problems. And his response was that the benefits outweighed the risks. Right. So it's like Viagra. You can have a good time, but you'll die doing it because yeah. it will cause a heart attack. Yeah. You know, yeah. what are us are thinking? You mm-hmm. know, this, this is the really bottom line when you look at everything is that we seem to have lost any form of rational thinking. Well, especially when it comes to our healthcare system and, and medications. We uh, unfortunately have turned doctors into uh, pill prescribers. They, yeah. When you go to the doctor, he actually just wants to know what is bothering you, and then he prescribes a medication to alleviate that symptom, right? Symptom, not the problem. Yes. Yeah, they've become legalized drug pushers. So, <laughs> yeah. not, not that they would like to hear that, but, you no. know, I'm sure that's not what they went into medicine for. Well, I'm sure a lot of them the, you know, really wanted to make a difference, that. but yeah. unfortunately... The system has dictated that the way to become a doctor and to practice is to prescribe medications, right? There was a fabulous TV show in the 90s in the state and called, I think it was called Waiting for Death. 
death. It was a, a comedic show, um, a couple of really great old-timer actors and actresses. And it was, you know, a, a home for retirees and, uh, you know, kind of people waiting for death. Mm-hmm. And although it was comedic, you know, you had the guy running it that all he wanted to do was cut costs. You yes. know, uh, cut costs on the food, cut costs on this and cut costs on that. And the one woman there that was there was, you know, constantly meeting him at his game and um and it really highly entertaining show the entire series but you could see that under level going mm-hmm. under there of we may laugh at this and that this character that's constantly trying to cut costs but when you look at the reality of it is mm-hmm. every single one of these associations has got somebody up there that is you know a a, a money yes person and has absolutely no humanity about them whatsoever Yes, and even in the health system, we find that there is a determination made based on your age as to how much effort they're going to make for you. If you begin to get into a situation where your health becomes dire, so a lot of times if this person is in their 80s or, or 90s, then they feel like there's no reason to provide exceptional care to them because they're so old, right? Yeah. And it's sad to see that because don't, haven't they earned that dignity? Haven't they earned that right to go peacefully? Well, one would think, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they uh, have spent their lives contributing to society in many positive ways. And yet when it came to the time that society was to repay them, the judgment was made that they're too old and there's no sense getting them to carry on because they're no longer a value to society. Right. Right. And we know that, you know, that death is, is knocking at a lot of these people's door, but it's not well, to us, for us to, to decide when that death would be or to hurry it up. No, exactly. That's something that we should allow to happen in a natural way and they, and they should be happy and feel good about themselves right up to that point, right? I've interviewed a woman, Roberta Grimes, and she's written this book called The Fun of Dying and the transition of going. And, you know, when, when people go, they don't want somebody hysterically crying at the bed saying, don't go. You know, when it's their time, no. they want that peace, that you know, gratification, mm-hmm. you know, Thank you for being my parent or my grandparent. Thank you for being in my life. You know, right. going grace and love. And so they can yeah. cross over very peacefully. But, you know, you kind of hear these stories of just, as you say, being neglected, dying in his bed or, you know, dying in their chair because they've forgotten to feed them or anything. It's mm-hmm. it really, I mean, why is this not being treated as, you know, manslaughter? Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, the people who are in charge or make those decisions have deemed that this is the best use of funds and that there is no economic gain in doing it any other way. So what's an older person to do? You know, they've got to that point in life where they can't look after themselves. I mean, I'd like to go like the Golden Girls, you know, a bunch of women yeah. together in a house, have people look after you and just go out laughing. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I think if you, everyone would. You know, if we could afford that and you can do that, that's a great way to do it. But for some people, it's, you know, that home is that last resource. You know, the family simply can't look after them anymore when they get to a point. But, you know, it's so hard for them because what, where do you send them when you know they really are going to get the right treatment? What is a senior to do? Yeah, and unfortunately right now I think the system just isn't prepared to make the changes that need to be made. But I think 
people have to start telling them that we're paying attention now, that we're actually looking at what's going on, and it's time for them to make some changes and actually, you know, start treating these people in the institutions like people because they're not all vegetables and they're not all complete invalids unaware of their surroundings yeah. as much as they would like us to believe that once you end up in a home that you're, you know, three steps away from a vegetable, you know. Well, they like to make them that way. <laughs> well, they, they try to make them that <laughs> yes. way if there's too much of a problem. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, you know, like my mum, she's bed-bound. She can't do anything physically, but unfortunately her mind, and I say unfortunately for her because her intellect is still very much astute, but the rest of her has broken down. And, yes. you know, you kind of feel sorry for, for people like that because, you know, it's they're so aware of what they can't do and they feel so trapped. Um, as to post people that really have kind of mentally checked out and their body will just follow. Um, One of the things I noted a, a year or so ago, I read an article. There was a fellow who invented a device for seniors that helped to protect them when they fell because hip injuries is a big yes. problem for seniors and, and often results in you know being bedridden and, and the end sort of thing. So he invented this device that minimized hip injuries in a fall and it was actually uh, being promoted by the health system but none of the institutions took it up because there was a cost to it right so they rather have that person fall and then just basically wait yeah. to die yeah uh, instead of prevention right thank um, dollars for this device right oh my god yeah i mean the thing is, they're getting away with it because we're being ignorant to it. Yes. Well, and, the the only time you hear anything about it is when it's an extreme case yeah. where they've separated a couple who've been together for 40 years or there's yes. you know, another situation that is just beyond reason. Then we might hear about it. But other than that, we don't hear about what goes on in these institutions. And a lot of people just simply don't want to know. No. And, uh, you know, we've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop turning that blind eye. Yes. Um, you know, the thing is, if it, it's it's like with everything. You don't like the corporations stop supporting them. You don't like the politicians voting them in. Um, you don't like a system, hold them accountable. They're exactly. getting away with it because nobody is speaking out. And if yes. we start putting the spotlight on their practices and saying, clean up your act, because this beam of light is going to be on you for the wrong mm-hmm. reason until you do. Um, you know, it, we have to do that. As a society, whether you've got somebody in an old age home or not, you might be the worst person in there one day. Do you want to go yeah. to what's there currently? Yes, exactly. I mean, that was a big part of it for me, too, is that, you know, I don't want the system that's in place now to be there if I should happen to end up in there. Right. right? So you do counseling of seniors. And, you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of the, the issue with seniors, of course, is that old school don't make a fuss, mm-hmm. don't rock the boat, yes. don't don't speak openly about things, keep it right. to yourself. You know, how do you get a senior to open up to what is bothering them? You know, that that what's entrapped within them. Yeah, a lot of times when you're dealing with seniors, um, you have to kind of help them see that helping them will help the people around them mm-hmm. because they still feel like they want to help out around, help their family members and help the people around them. So if you help them to see that in their current state, they can't do that, that they have some things they need to deal with in order to be able to help the other people in their family, they tend to open up a little bit more about it. And 
you know, it's kind of say, yeah, I guess I'm, you know, not really being very helpful to my family and I'm a burden and you get trying to get away from them calling themselves a burden because of course that's part of the whole negative context that, that they've fallen into and it just helps them to see that it's not that they're a burden but it's that they could be more of helpful if they were in a happier place if they were more happy with their lives and, and more feeling more productive right yes yeah, and, you know, my mother's constantly saying that, you know, I am trying to die asking the angels to take me because I know I'm a burden. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how awful to reach the end of your life and want to die because you're a burden. Yeah. You know, instead well, of suddenly celebrating your life and all that you've achieved and done for them. Exactly. But I think to some extent, uh, the, the environment needs to, for them to be able to say, look, you know, you do have value. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to hear what things were like when you were growing up because sometimes when I'm in account in counseling some scene I'll actually use that and ask them to start to tell me about how things were when they were young right and what they did and their job and and how they were you know how their they legacy. It's their their legacy, legacy. Yeah. yes and and a lot of times that makes a really big difference for them because now they feel that they okay I do have some value somebody wants to know about my life and I can share that with them and and be of value, right? I mean, you know, people forget in their conveniences of today and all the conveniences that they have around them, you know, exactly where they are with everything they have in their life. It's somebody else paved that way. Mm -hmm. You know, as somebody else... um, somebody else invented somebody else created somebody else worked hard to make that be what you're taking for granted today was somebody else's you know sweat and uh-huh. if we don't appreciate that we're you know we're we're losing the understanding of it yes so i mean you know the, when you're trying to help seniors uh, with things like depression they tend to try and just call it that they're feeling um tired or they're feeling uncomfortable and they 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 generally don't call it depression because yeah. they don't want to talk about anything that they may consider to be a mental issue because in their culture and their generation you just didn't talk about things like that because right. you know the word mental meant that you were mental right yeah disturbed yes, yes. Uh, flawed and of course you know god forbid anybody should embrace anybody who's flawed um, mm-hmm. which means that you know we shouldn't embrace anybody because everybody has flaws um, exactly. and you know i think that, again let's talk about embrace physical touch mm-hmm. i mean you mm-hmm. know it's how much of a hug or, or holding the hands or you know brushing their hair or looking into their eyes that touch you know it's yeah. so important well, you know, they've done some some studies where they've actually brought in, say, animals into mm. seniors' homes and let the seniors interact with the animals and pet them and hold them and that sort of thing. And it makes a big difference in, in their attitude and their behavior for days afterwards. And, you know, it, that's just interacting with an animal, petting yeah. it, holding it. So, I mean, human interaction would mean so much more. When my mother-in-law was dying, I went to the hospital to see her and I knew that she was going to be gone that day and that they had a you know a service that was going to happen and uh, they were talking about what they were going to do for her but you know as an intuitive I knew it was her time and I could feel her husband there and other family members there and uh, and all I did is I stroked her head from her brow back Mm -hmm. and I just kept telling her it was safe they were around they're ready to 
that you didn't need to fear and just kept stroking it. You could physically see, although she was already in a coma at that point, but you could physically see the reaction of Mm -hmm. just calming, just being calm. Because everybody around her is, it's my mummy, I don't want her to go. And that tension needed to be gone and she just needed Mm -hmm. that calmness and you could see it happening. We just don't understand how how much touch can give. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even in day-to-day society, we tend to not interact physically as much as we could or should because yeah. we've gotten into a society now where communication is done electronically yeah. 90% of the time, and there isn't that person-to-person you know, interaction, right? Yeah. It was off topic, but there was a video a little while ago that someone posted of a couple getting married, and she pulls out of her bosom of her dress the phone and texts somebody in the middle of the service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, are you kidding me? And you know, all the comments in <laughs> is, does he know what he's marrying? Yeah. You know, and it's, unfortunately, you know, we've, we've got to that kind of society. And it's, we don't know how to live in the now and appreciate the moment of the now, which I think our forefathers certainly did because things changed from moment to moment. The now was all they had and they understood that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've become such yeah. an instant society and so overstimulated, we don't know how to be quiet and at one with ourselves. Well, and I think that's part of what's happening with the technology is that it, it allows us to communicate without that stimulation. And so people gravitate towards it. I mean, you know, the the poster for today's communication is the couple sitting in Starbucks across the table from each other texting. You know? Yeah, each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but looking up and actually eye to eye, word to word. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and is it laziness? Is it, is it can they say something in the text that they feel they can't say in real language? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But no, it, it's desensitizing, is, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, text. The thing is, is if you make a text uh, without any exclamation marks or, or punctuation, uh, it's up to the receiver to interpret exactly yeah. what you meant. And so there's been cases where somebody has meant something sarcastically that has been taken very wrongly, right? Mm -hmm. Because they didn't know the other person was saying it sarcastically and took it to heart, right? There's no tone in texting. So, you know, a a voice, you can get the tone and know if somebody's joking or not. Um, So, yes, it it, um, leaves so much out that, as you said, is misinterpreted. Um, And, you know, you can actually understand when you, you know, look at youngsters around grandpas. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's so sad to see that these kids don't have anything to say to their grandparents because, no. you know, all they know is this electronic way of communicating. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the seems that the young people are basically uh, on in this environment where they feel like, well, these people are old, so they really have nothing of value to offer me because they're so old. And I don't want to sit and listen to all the history and the what they were young. It doesn't matter to me because I've got today to worry about. Yeah. Right? And they don't realize that how much they can learn, mm-hmm. you know, from what has been. I mean, history is yesterday. Yes. Yeah. But what we did yesterday has definitely defined where we are today and what we're going to do tomorrow. Yes. So, you know, history is something that definitely we need to learn from. Well, and someday they're going to be in that position mm-hmm. and they're going to want to be heard that 
you know, when they were young, they helped to define the technology that's in place today. Yeah, exactly. And I think what we've become just overall, never mind just with seniors, is this throwaway society. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's broken, throw it away, get a new one. Uh, The art of fixing something, the art of looking after something so it doesn't break, the art of making something that isn't going to break at the drop of a hat. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just items, it's the way we treat each other. Yes, yes, for sure. It's, It's just a common thread through pretty much everything in our society today. So what can we do for seniors? If somebody is in a position where they cannot take care of their parent anymore because the parent needs more care, but maybe they both work, um, are there other solutions? Are there other options out there? You know, um, getting people in to come and monitor them through the day or look after them instead of putting them in a home. You know, are there any choices? There, there are some other systems in place, but unfortunately they're also... Um, run from a monetary perspective and unfortunately it can grow to be very expensive very quickly because the people maintaining them you know are basically having to pay others to come in and do whatever needs to be done because uh, it's it's very rarely a first person issue like there's very few uh, caregivers that um, arrange for the care themselves they're generally through an organization and so there's an organization on top of the caregiver. And in that sense, now there's additional, you know, monetary needs, right? Right. So in other words, it's always money, 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 money. Yeah, um, pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> and like I say, this, this older fellow that ended up in the institution, at the time he had a lot of money, but it was basically in the institution where they decided that, you know, it would cost money to make a situation where they could utilize it, so they just kind of ignored it, right? So horrific. We really have to change things. Um, we really do. Um, yes. You know, first and foremost, we have to look at these people as people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have to honor their history and their journey. They haven't got to their 80s or 90s without their own challenges no. All their own triumphs in life. And there's a lot we can learn from that wisdom and their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the honoring of that journey, the fact that they have lived that long and they're still here to tell a tale. Um, I know my, my youngest daughter loves older people. She loves, you know, the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if sometimes it's repetitive, um, which often it is, you know, it's there's mm-hmm. just that certain joy in it. You know, of um, learning something. Um, yeah. What can we do with old age homes as, you know, as a community? Can You've got the animals that can, can communities step in and uh, go and read stories or, you know, we know, I know you've got music programs and things like this, but is there something that community can come in and step in? A, you know, and keep an eye on what's going on there and hold well, them accountable yeah. without forgetting, but also kind of contribute in, in, conversation storytelling or something yeah well i think the the (laughs) the biggest thing is what as you say keep an eye on things and and just really pay attention you know to to that older person who's maybe sitting off in the corner looking down at the floor and 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 not engaging anyone i mean they're, they're obviously in some kind of dire need and generally much need of attention so you know paying attention to those people who are on the fringe 
and who are more than likely going to be neglected by the institutions themselves would make, uh, I think, a big difference in the institutions because it would create more people who are lively and interactive. Um, because the, you go into in almost any of the institutions and there's very few people who are up and about yeah. in the institutions, right? Um, they're very sedentary. Um, they bring in, you know, people do, they can do chair, chair aerobics and things like that. But generally, um, once they reach these institutions, even in the ones that are considered assisted living, uh, you know, they're free to come and go, but they tend just to gravitate towards a, a sedentary lifestyle because it's just the nature of what goes on. I mean, I my uh, mother is in an, uh, in an apartment block with uh, seniors, and uh, she's in her 70s, and she still likes to go out and do things and, and you know, stay active, yet uh, she's finding that the people around her don't want to do anything and we're just rather sit at home and watch television and don't have a lot of people coming to visit them so they get very sedentary yeah. and it's starting to make her feel like she's old because these people are just slightly older than she is and they're you know um they've given up already yes so you know she's at the point now where she feels like she needs to move to another place because you know she needs to move someplace where there's young people so there's at least some activity and some life going on around her right well if you don't use it you lose it right i mean and that's the brain as well as the body um (coughs) excuse me i have a total of my rope i have a host suman afen uh on wise health is her station is her show (coughs) and uh, she's 77 years Young. Uh, She and her boyfriend every weekend get out and go driving and dancing and she's busy there twisting on the floor. And, you know, she exercises every day and, you know, she's got 50 years of holistic uh, medicine uh, knowledge Mm -hmm. behind her. So she's like a little encyclopedia of knowledge that she downloads. (laughs) But it's her attitude towards life. Yeah. You know, it's getting out there and, and going with it and living with it and enjoying it. And, you know, it's you see some people just rushing towards old age and it's Mm -hmm. what for? There, yeah. there ain't anything there, folks. You know, it's you. You want life. You still got to participate in life. Mm-hmm. You've got to make mm-hmm. it happen. Well, I mean, as as a contrast, my my mother has always been very holistic. She's you know made sure that she's gotten any sort of vitamins that she's needed throughout her life, and you know watched her health, watched what she ate, and she's very spry and very active and. Um, uh, another woman I know who's probably about four or five years younger than her is now struggling to move around. Uh, she's got weak legs. She's having trouble breathing. And, you know, it's basically just lifestyle. Yeah. Well, that's with my mum. She was not an active person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you think of going out for a walk, you know, never happened. Um, and where, you know, I've got this uh, friend, uh, Isabella. 92 years of age, still volunteering, still works out there every single day, dresses beautifully, you know, forgets things sometimes, uh, but, you know, she's entitled to, and she's just a bundle of joy, you know, and a great example, you know, I want to be like her, but a great deal of it is, yeah, use the body, obviously nutritionize the body, what you go in, you know, is what uh, fuel you put Mm -hmm. in is how Mm -hmm. it's going to fuel the body, um, but yep. you know you've got to use that body, but you've also got to use your mind, and mm-hmm. uh, and have a positive attitude towards life, and be willing to participate in life. 
Yeah, on the news in a, a few days ago, there was a human interest story. There was a woman, I believe she was 114 years old, and they were showing her using a, a cell phone for the first time. <laughs> and her son, who was, I believe, 80-something, said that she was always curious about everything. And yeah. that's why she was still so alive and so keen because she was always curious about everything that went on around her. And here she is at 114 years old learning how to use a cell phone. <laughs> you know, when at the time that she was born, there probably wasn't even electricity, right? Or phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely no phone. All right. right. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, um, life is an adventure. And if you're on an adventure every single day at the wonderment of what you can learn today, um, you know, it it becomes something that keeps you alive. You know, what mm-hmm. am I going to learn today when I wake up? You right. know, and waking up, you know, even with the aches and pains that we get as we get older, you know, but, you know, gratitude of being, of waking up and what the day can bring. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that outlook on life is just so utterly important. And I mean, if you've got people with the mindset of life owns me, owes me, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm sorry, you're in a downhill spiral because, yeah. you know, life is what you earn it, you know, you, mm-hmm. your participation in life, your contribution to life is what you're going to get back out of life. Yep. And if you go around with an attitude that I'm owed, um, you ain't going to go very far. No. Well, it's most, most centrogenarians have something they do every day. Like one fellow, he would go to the library every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what he got up every morning to do was to go to the library. It kept him going, you know, well over 100 years old. Because he had something to get up for every morning. A purpose. Yes. You know, we, we are human beings. We need to live in purpose. We have to have a purpose. Otherwise, what's the reason for living? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a large part of what also goes on in the institutions is they lose this purpose. Yeah. right? Because everything is done for them and um, they're not given something to do or something to look forward to every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they might have been a great cook. They can't cook anymore, maybe standing up, but they could be in the kitchen teaching other mm-hmm. people recipes and how to do it. I mean, yep. you know, why are we not bringing our youth in to work with seniors and, yeah. and learn from them and, and learn not just the knowledge, but the respect of their journey? Yeah. Well, see, our, our, the government put a program in place uh, for funding actually for groups that would find purpose for seniors and very few organizations stepped up. Now, why do you think that is? Because they don't want anybody in there really seeing what's going on? To, to an extent. And I think that it was also that, you know, very few people pay attention to the, to the plight of seniors and a lack of, of purpose for them. Um, because again, it's not forefront in in the news or in in the media. Uh, because in, to, from the impression of the media, I mean, you'd almost think that uh, seniors' homes didn't exist because unless there's a disease or some you know earth-shattering event, they never speak of them, right? You know, this um, on Facebook, you get these pictures of dogs in um, shelters. You know, the heads. Mm-hmm down they've been neglected they feel that's it that's the end of their day no one cares for them anymore and mm-hmm. you know in a, in a lot of ways how about you if you put a senior's image in a cage like that what would yep. be the reaction and 
you putting a senior in a home and just throwing them away and all they're doing is drugged and sitting in that chair waiting to die is mm-hmm. the same thing. It's abandonment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a statement of our society that we actually are more concerned with uh, abused animals than we are with seniors and this abuse that they go through at times. I mean, we have... Um, awareness of what they call seniors abuse, which is a family member or someone close to them, uh, you know, abusing them financially or abusing them physically. But we don't talk about the general neglect and and abuse that goes on at the institution level, right? Yeah, nobody wants to put a a highlight, a spotlight on that. But I think there should be cameras in there. And Mm -hmm. I think there should be people going in, um, checking that footage, every month and yeah. uh, you know writing them up on anything or holding them accountable for anything that uh, is happening you know we've we've unfortunately got to that stage where we need to police them well the thing is that even even as a family member if you try to get in a position of being able to police what's going on with the family member in an institution they will basically label as a troublemaker and if you make too much of a fuss, they'll ask you to move your, your parent to another institution. So don't put it to in the hands of the parents. There needs to be an organization yes. that steps up, that becomes, you know, the just like you have a, a um, an investigation of the police that isn't the police, we need a division that is in there monitoring these old age homes and holding them accountable. Maybe, some, you know, um, oh, the health uh, well, institutes. We need, we need to have an, an organization... Uh, going back to this again, kind of uh, parallel to the SPCA. Yeah. We need yeah. to have the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Seniors, right? Yes. And and it's sad that we have to have that, but we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that awareness that needs to come up there, that needs to be brought up in front of, you know, government. And there's plenty, you know, somebody's got to be brave enough out there to go and document all of these cases. Well, that's just it. Nobody wants to be the one to step yeah, up, right? right? Because of the because of the resistance and the amount of money that would be thrown at subduing it. Yes. Right. Yeah, but you know, today we have video cameras, mm-hmm. uh, you know, phones, and um, you know, there's there's so much that can be documented now. I remember yeah. being in England some years ago, and there was a whole documentation on the uh, nursing. I mean, remember England used to be the the one leader in the world for nursing mm-hmm. and education and now it's so subpar it's terrible um they had this nurse wear a camera uh, on the button of her dress and uh, she was just a kind of subservient nurse so she was bullied around by the matrons and everything else who stood mm-hmm. around just yakking all the time and when she would say oh so-and-so needs help i uh, she's just moaning again forget her they would mm-hmm. take old age people out of their uh, their bed put them in a chair no blanket nothing and leave no. them there for hours no food yeah. nothing uh they would show you know why there's so much disease in there because they're not cleaning the blood off the things you know the the cleansiness mm-hmm. i mean it was horrific and you know still they try to deny it but you can't deny there what's on that film and no. that reaction and it's unfortunately it's going to take those type of things mm-hmm. and to shake mm-hmm. it up and say there is a need for this well it's like you know when <clears throat> when we look at these people who are like totally dependent in in these assisted living institutions and they put these adult diapers on them and they let them sit for hours yeah 
those adult diapers are, first of all, not designed to take the entire amount of, a, of an adult when it comes to, you know, the discharge discharge that's going on. And secondly, the, it does no good if you just leave them sitting in it. I mean, my mum's got bed sores all over her from being in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, her legs have, have turned black and, you know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. we have to understand the body dies when we don't use it. Yep. And, uh, you know, that person is trapped in that dying body. Um, and, you know, if, if, if she'd had different type, and my brother did the very best he could, but, mm-hmm. you know, because he was looking after her, they said, oh, you're doing a good job. We don't need to help you. Yes. And he, of course, he ends up with a heart attack because, mm-hmm. you know, that's lifting and carrying her into. And, and yeah. also, he, he shouldn't have to be bathing her. It's his no. mother. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah. you know, it's. We've really got. We've got a very massive aging population right now. Yes. And we really need to step up and change this system right now. Yeah. Well, you talk about the baby boomers. They're getting mm-hmm. close to that age now where they're going to be the ones that are going to be into the institutions and they need to have it revamped before they get there because, yes. you know, they're just like everyone else. They're going to have these emotional issues. They're going to have these. And I think that's part of it too. When, when they talk about keeping the seniors happy in institutions, yes, they send in people to show them how to do chair aerobics and, and yoga and all these other things, but they, that's just the physical aspects of it. They don't go in and deal with the mental aspects. They, they need to be motivated to do those things. And, you know, you can imagine somebody who's, you know, taking care of the household for 60, 70 years, whatever the age, um, you know, that uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're now having to be being taken care of. And mm-hmm. for a lot of these people, is they were the caregiver, it's very hard for them to receive that kind of care because yeah. now they feel they're useless and they're not mm-hmm. contributing. So, you know, what's the point in living? And, all you know, they've been put there because family can't handle them, so they feel they've been thrown away. I mean, there's so many emotional issues there that yeah, need to well, be addressed. There's, there's an old adage, too, that doctors make the worst patients, right? Uh-huh. And it's the same thing for these seniors who were people that were caregivers a lot of times it's difficult like you say for them to be the one being taken care of because they feel like all of a sudden their their purpose and their value has been taken away from them right i mean somebody with alzheimer's they can still have a very good body but the mind is going and of course Mm. they wander they can wander off and be a detriment to themselves or to someone else and it's so hard to see somebody um you know my uncle had this at 10 years his wife Took mm-hmm. to die with um, Alzheimer's, and she mm-hmm. wouldn't allow him out of his of, out of her sight. Right, and so for him to go to the grocery store, or anything, ten years of his life mm-hmm. was completely trapped in looking yeah. after her, and like he loved her, but at the same time, his life was mm-hmm. in prison. And yeah. it's you know yeah. we need to to give help to to people like this. Well, and and it's it's kind of odd that. When you look at it, there's been several instances now of, of seniors that have wandered away from institutions. It seems that it's easier for them to get out than it is for others to get in, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe there's a reason why they're trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, let's, yeah. let's go into a very heavier subject. I, I did a show a couple mm-hmm. of on the right to die. You, right. An euthanasia. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. that when a senior gets to the point where, you know, they, they're not mobile anymore, 
You know, mm-hmm. they are trapped of mind into that body or they are in pain or they are dying from something mm-hmm. that, you know, I know the institutions are, you know, just don't don't give them a drink, don't give them this, let them die. But mm-hmm. I think that we should have that right to die gracefully. We have loved ones yes. around us. And if it is our time and we've chosen not to go on any further because there is no quality of life, no purpose of life and you're in pain, that you should have that right to choose your exit. Yeah, for sure. And I think that... Uh, it's it's shied away from in a lot of cases because when we start to talk about those sort of things, it gets back to like the issue that I said where this fellow in his 90s became very depressed and he said, I just want to die. Uh, the thing is, is that, you know, if they'd have dealt with his emotional issues, that would have changed. But some people say, well, yeah, but at that point, they could have just said, okay, you know, and we'll, we'll help you do that. But I think, I think, I think, general, I think it has to be an organization that that's all they do. They go in and yeah. assess, you know, the whole situation. Um, and it isn't, yeah. it isn't up to the local doctors. It's certainly up to the institution or, or, or family members that it is mm-hmm. this, it is a particular organization of doctors, uh, psychologists, everything that go in there yeah. and do that assessment. And, uh, is it truly that person's desire for the right reasons? Yes. And, and then have the assisted death. And if you give it into the hands of those, uh, you know, associations, old age home associations, there won't be anybody left. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Because, I mean, it's got to be done by, as you say, a, a whole group of people who are able to make a, a full determination. Yeah, that's all they not... do. They're specialists in that realm, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And they, they understand that, no, this person is not necessarily so depressed that they just, you know, they're looking for a way out, or that this person is, you know, um, somehow been manipulated into thinking that that's the best avenue for them, right? Oh, the family members want you to get rid of them quickly right. for their inheritance. So yeah. you do have to have an organization that specializes in that to protect mm-hmm. it from that. Yes, yes, you do. And you know, give that right for that person to have. Like a mum, she really wants to die, but she she wants to die at peace and in grace. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's afraid yes. of dying in pain or in trauma. And the more she's mm-hmm. kind of wanting to go peacefully, the more she's working herself up for it not to be that right. way. You know, and if right. you've got somebody who's saying, "Yes, it's your time," you know, that love and that attention is there with you, and it's just a gentle passing over. She's inevitably going to go. Mm-hmm. But why can't we let her go with yes. grace and dignity? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's part of <clears throat> in our society that, again, even talking about the whole issue of, uh, you know, passing, I think we, we tend not to address it as a society. And the only time we look at it is if a person is actually in, you know, a grave illness that's going to end with with death with no other recourse, right? Which is many people. Yes. You know, many, many people. We, you know, we we put an app when we know we can't help them anymore. Yeah, so if they're uh, in pain and, and we know we can't help them, then, yeah. you know. And so why can't we get allowed that sacred dignity for a, for a human? Mm-hmm. Well, especially since human beings can have input into the situation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they can actually be asked questions. And things can be ascertained as to their their mental state and and the reasonings behind their wishes, right? Do you see um, suicides in these uh, these places? Um, I it, it's very difficult to tell. There, Wait, is there, or not? 
Yeah, there are a lot of them are yes, they're suicides, but a lot of them are, uh, you know, they'll they'll stop eating, uh-huh. uh, they'll stop eating and drinking, and um, or they'll you know or take too many pills, or you know, um, the a lot of these are are written off as as you know natural deaths, de- dementia or right. delirium or you know yeah just natural causes, but the, and in fact they are uh, you know suicides. Right, like there's nothing else, nobody else is listening, this isn't a life worth living, and so I'm going to exit. Right. <coughs> right, yes. and you, you can't blame them, you know, because if they're caged like that and forgotten, um, you know, you can't yeah. blame them. Well, as we say, they go from being, you know, productive members of society to being uh, feeling like they're more of a burden than anything else, then, of course, that plays on their emotions, right? So, I mean, you know, if you have somebody that, you know, maybe the memory is going because it's entitled to go at that t- time and, of course, they're reliving the same story. I mean, just going in with some some food or a treat or something like that or just taking the hands, looking actually in the eyes, you know, um, having a few-minute conversation, it doesn't have to be long, does it? Um, you know, a few minutes um, spent with them can really, really fill them up for, for days. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that these little things that we can do to help these seniors out um, tend to be the things that are ignored. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, in just sitting and talking to them about uh, what, the, what things were like when they were young or, you know, as you say, taking them in a little something and sitting down with them and holding their hand and looking into their eyes are all things that, that tend not to be done in seniors uh, and in these uh, homes because they don't want to look that deeply into this person. Right. See, because if you start to relate to this person, um, then the person actually starts to become a human being, right? And they want to look, acknowledge them as that. Yes. Oh, what a society become. Yes. And I know that uh, I've talked to a few people that work in seniors' homes, and they talk sometimes about, um, uh, among themselves, you know, about this person or that person with dementia and how they think they're back on the phone. Funny that is. And, you know, um, it's it, it's the wrong attitude. Yes. It's, de- it's de- degrading. Yes. And, you know, there's there's no way that they know of whether or not this person may overhear that at some point, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, they have to actually understand that type of behavior is bullying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do see this with, with uh, seniors because they can't speak out for themselves anymore or, or because they're not heard or because they do keep quiet about things, the amount of bullying that goes on. You know, they can't get dressed as fast as you want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't go as fast or, the, you know, the thought process is a little slower. And then you've got somebody saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And that is bullying. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, even... Even outside of the institutions, we have an organization here called Seniors Peer Counselors, and um, they go in and sit and talk to seniors uh, who are living alone and that sort of thing. And even they see a lot of situations where these seniors have been neglected, if not by family, then by society as a whole. And, you know, they see signs of depression and, and, um, you know, 
uh, just sadness among these people who feel like there's nothing for them to contribute to. Right? I mean, for a lot of people who have still decided to stay at home, it must get really scary for them to get out there in society and even go shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got the buses where you've got the young people that just keep pushing people aside. Um, oh, I, I know of a, an older woman. She's in her 70s and she lives alone. And for her, like she has friends who occasionally come and stay for two or three days at a time. And it's difficult for her because it's not so much them coming and staying. It's when they leave. Then mm-hmm. she's confronted again with the fact that she's living alone. And she has no one to share, you know, her time with. Yeah. So it becomes much more difficult for her to actually allow these people to come and spend time with her because she's afraid of what follows, right? I mean, you know, I mentioned the Golden Girls, which, you know, were four women Mm -hmm. that decided to share a home together and the responsibilities and support of each other as they grew older. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, maybe that's the way we should look at it. We should look at you know, um, instead of being on our own, looking at a friend and sharing together, you know, you're not just yeah. sharing the cost, but you're sharing each other's lives. You don't have to be talking to each other 24-7, but it's that other no. person in there um, to support one another. And, and I think we should encourage that a lot more. Yeah, I think so too, especially among seniors. And I think it needs to be done in a proactive way rather than a reactive way, which it is done now. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think we need to actually seek out these people in our society and help them make connections because, as you say, you know, it's very daunting for them when they're living alone to go out into the world. And, you know, they're not likely to walk up to somebody else and say, hello, my name is and I'm living alone, right? Because as seniors, they don't need to know that they're living alone because now they've been right, vulnerable. Right. Yeah, exactly. I have a 73-year-old who left her husband a year ago, um, a 54-year marriage, miserable marriage. And mm-hmm. she finally left and, and you know, is on her own. And, you know, she felt alone in her marriage, which I know what it's like. It's, you know, desperately lonely to be actually alone mm-hmm. in a relationship. And, yes. you know, now she chooses to be alone and she loves her own place, etc. And she goes out mm-hmm. for coffee or goes out here and there. But every mm-hmm. now and again, I see her retreating. I don't want to go out today. Yeah. I don't want to make an effort today and i'm saying if you don't you're not going to meet the people that are going to keep your life interesting if you don't Mm -hmm. participate in life life is just you're the one that's entrapping yourself now Um, and you know i think that seniors need to understand that that um they do there's another person in her 80s that she goes up to the coffee shop every day just for a little walk and a cup of coffee and goes home Mm -hmm. just to break up that monotony you know and and that i think they need to understand is like don't be so fearful and stay in your place all the time. Even if it's just up to the corner store or somewhere, get yep. out, do something, do mm-hmm. something. Because if you don't, then you are doing that living death. Yes. Well, it's like I talked about earlier where my mother's in a building where there are people who are just, you know, keeping to themselves and staying inside and sitting around watching television and <clears throat> basically, you know, doing very little with their time and it's starting to frustrate her because she's not like that right yeah exactly be around those energetic people or keep you younger well you Mm -hmm. know we've come to the end of our hour it's gone so fast yes it has yeah would you please let people know how they can get hold of you to to understand more and your you know your holistic counseling you know what you can do for them and what services you offer uh well I have one site that's called the Seniors Counselors. It's for the Seniors Counselors Association. It's actually just seniorscounselors.com. 
And there's a, a petition on that site to have seniors allowed to bring counseling into institutions. And if people would like to go there and and uh, start, at least that's a starting point where we can see if we can start to put some pressure on different people. Yeah. Actually having more than one voice. And um, my, my other site is called Creekside Holistic. It's for Creekside Holistic Services. And that's for uh, life coaching, life counseling. Uh, I try to help people understand that if they make some changes from their lives in a holistic way, they can actually not only drastically improve their lives, but actually start to enjoy their lives. Because they can can get into a situation where they're um, enjoying their life because they're eating properly, their health is improving, and they're doing what they really want to do in life. Yeah, more healthy to get out there and really enjoy their life to the end right. instead of giving up. Yeah. And the, and they've actually made whole changes where, you know, they're not just maybe like we say, if you, just, you go and talk to your doctor and you tell him you're depressed, he'll give you an antidepressant. Right. But, but for, for the way I look at it is you not only need to address the depression, but you need to look at the whole environment because something in the environment has, you know, brought the whole situation into into place. So you may need to make a change in your environment. You may need to change your your social circle. You may need to do other things and, you know, including change of a diet because perhaps, you know, you're not getting the the right chemical balance in your diet to, to, you know, properly feed your brain to make you feel better about yourself. And I think, you know, if people will take the time to actually look at their lives in a holistic way, they can see that it can make a really big difference. Yes. I, you know, that's the thing is, you know, um, we're with our bodies and with ourselves for the, to the day we die. The quality mm-hmm. of our life is up to our decision-making, our choice of what we want mm-hmm. to do. But we also have to understand we do have to participate and interact in our own lives yep. if we want to have a life that has any meaning or purpose. Exactly, yes. And we make those changes to our lives if things aren't right. And we need to look at life as a whole and say, where are just needed to get me to the point where I can be doing what I really want to do with my life? And I mean, that's really what everybody's after, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we, we want to know that we're, we still count. Yes. Right? So that's the important thing. Well, mm-hmm. you can also get find you on LinkedIn. Uh, yes. Dr. Don Lester, uh, PhD, uh, but that's where I found you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I love the work and dedication that you're doing. Thank you. Um, there's just well, so little voice on this. Yes, and uh, we really need to put that spotlight. And, and folks, you know, whether you've got an older person in your life or not, you're going to get older by the grace exactly. of God. So mm-hmm. make sure that you have got something to go to later on that you're not going to be terrified to go to. So this does concern you today, no matter yes. your age, because if you don't change the system, that's the system you're going to be going to. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Don. Uh, it, it's been great. Keep up the great work. And we will certainly um, look to doing this again, maybe in a round table and okay. uh, making sure there's more awareness on this. And please go and sign that petition because we ne- need to get into those institutions to really see what's going on so we can hold them accountable. It's the only way we're going to make the change. Exactly. Thank you. And to everybody out there, thank you for listening. Be kind to yourself and we'll hear speak to you again soon. <laughs>